Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to join us today. I hope everybody listening is having a great day and in a great mood. I certainly am. Uh, closing out the month of January, off to a pretty good start this year and certainly looking to keep the music playing as we transitioned into February. On today's episode, I have Izzy Santiago, Jr., Head of Sales over at FT Options. Izzy, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Great. How are things? Things are great. You know, it's been a, a fun January so far. Nice, nice kickoff to 2020. Um, Good. As far as, you know, what we're doing at FT Options, it's it's fun to be busy. And although not all the news out there in the world is negative, it certainly keeps people looking at the markets and needing tools to evaluate what's going on. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So listen, Izzy, for those that are unfamiliar uh, with you listening to this podcast, uh, take a couple seconds here and introduce who are you? Sure. So um, I guess the elevator pitch on Izzy Santiago and, and who I am, uh, besides being a dad, which is my favorite job on the planet. Isn't it the best? Um, it's the best. Yeah. It's the best. It's the most rewarding. It's not sure. even work. It's definitely not work. No, it's amazing. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, so in that vein, uh, I would say that my parents are a big part of of who I am. Uh, I give them all the credit in the world. And, and uh, you know, I, I said a couple of minutes ago, my dad really always tried to put this message in the back of, of my siblings in my ear. Um, always be well above the average, go out there, crush the average, change the, change the message and change the, the conversation on, you know, who our people are. Um, having, you know, come here from Puerto Rico as immigrants, they obviously came here with the, the American dream of creating a new life and, and, you know, all that goes with it. Mm. Uh, and my parents really have always kept that hustle in the back of our heads. You know what, whatever people's perception is of, of who you are, make sure when you walk out of that room, you just lit up the room. Um, and, you know, my siblings and I can, can easily say that my parents did a great job of sending that message and, and helping us all through academics, athletics, although I'm not the best athlete, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> well, um, I look forward to you sharing your story here, you know, with us. I, I really enjoyed our, you know, for those listening who don't know this, there's always a pre-call that we have and, you know, get grounded on the, on the podcast. And, you know, uh, Izzy, when you, you shared with me your story, uh, it, uh, it made me really excited for this episode because, you know, the entire foundation of the podcast is really built on mindset and hence the title of the podcast that your intention matters because the way that I'm wired, it's really built on that if something is important enough to you, if you have a strong enough driver behind it, then you'll figure out how to create it, that there's very little just handed to you, everything is earned. And, you know, when I when we were speaking, uh, I'm probably sure I'm not the first person to ever say this to you, but you have a really impressive career, a number of years, uh, almost two decades in trading, as well as uh, a pretty sustained career in sales. So congrats on what you've been able to create so far. 
Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as uh, so let's go through this. Um, I know that you went to Sierra College, took economics. Um, talk to me about your, your trading career. Um, you were on the American Stock Exchange, um, I think, for 11, 12 years. Right. So I was, let's see, I was on the Amex for almost 15 years total. 15. Um, but as a, yeah, on the trading side of it, uh, about 11, a little over 11 years. And, uh, you know, I, ha I have to say it never felt like work. You know, it really never felt like work when I was trading, um, getting into the trading world obviously felt like some work. And that's where the, our initial conversation about hustling and, and being noticed by traders at trading firms saying, you know what, that kid's not just a clerk. We should give him a shot. Um, but the, you know, my time at the American Stock Exchange really is a huge chapter in my life, if I'm making a book on my life, um, because it taught me a lot of things. One, being on Wall Street, people have the perception that's out there in the movies and, you know, the, the Wolf of Wall Street and all those you know, crazy, crazy right. ideas people have about what our lives were like down there. Um, I have to say the reason why it never felt like work is because we were taught how to how to play a very risky game um, in in a very let's say mechanical way. Meaning, you know, there were patterns, there are charts, there are tons and tons of podcasts and webinars on on how to read stock charts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, for the most part, if you if you became a machine and took emotion out of the game. Uh, you, you were able to be pretty successful during during a you know a time of high volatility uh, and high volumes and liquidity. Um, so that that was fun, but I think the the other side of uh, and obviously you know I was able to to sustain myself and pay some bills. Um, but the other side of it was you know I spent a lot of time working with people, um, whether it was being you know on the American Stock Exchange you know governing board and having to work with rulings and, and, um, or introducing celebrities, bringing in, you know, the New York Yankees every time they won a world series or felt like, which felt like every year. Um, you know, it, it almost was, of, was, wasn't it for a time? <laughs> it almost was. Yeah. And so there was a lot of fun to be had, uh, in that sense, but also I spent a lot of time upstairs working with, with the exchange and with banks and hedge funds and any, you know, guests who would come in, uh, interested in what the exchange had to offer versus another exchange. Because as you know, you can list your stock anywhere. You know, we had to sell it. Um, but it was great working with people and creating relationships off of the fact that we were trying to help people, which seems funny, right? Because if, if we go back to that general perception of what Wall Street is like, people think, oh, you guys are just there for the money and you go home. But really, you know, part of the message that my dad created in us when we were, when I was a kid and then even being on wall street, which people think is just about cash. I always felt like if I can walk out of the room, having helped somebody not put money in my pocket, but help somebody, then I was successful. And when I crossed over from trading into sales in, in uh, 2010, it was after a conversation with one of my closest friends who said, hey, would you ever leave trading for sales? And I said, well, if you give me a good, honest product that I don't have to lie to people about to sell, sure, I would do it. 
And then the next thing you know, a few months later, I find myself in a position where I'm not trading anymore and I could stay in the game. Um, but I found my direction. I knew that I had spent a career building relationships and building a network of, of people who would who trust me and, and know that if I'm going to put something in front of them, it's going to help them, not just help me or put my kids in camp or, you know, buy me a new set of tires. So I, I made that move. And the, the most fun part about crossing over from trading into sales for me was the ability to walk into the room, not because you know, there was the, pr the prospect of closing 30 terminals of our product and being able to make X amount of dollars extra per month. But it was because I could walk into the room and honestly say, I'm going to help you. And when you look at what we do, when you look at the products we provide you with, you're going to say, wow, you're really helping me. Not just because the price was really cheap, <laughs> but because this is point and click access to a bunch of market data and analytics and all that kind of stuff that I could never get before without 20 steps. And now you're letting me do it in two steps. So being helpful and being able to help somebody, um, whether it's obviously speaking to a professional trader who probably doesn't need my help crossing the street or doing just that, you know, pulling over and helping, helping somebody change a tire. Um, e either of those two things and anything in between have always made me feel like, all right, I was successful today because I helped somebody. You know, Izzy, let's go back to your uh, your trading career because when we were speaking before, uh, you know, we hit record, uh, you gave me some really good insight into who you are and what was driving you. And, and I have an experience that says, or I have a story, I should say, that says, you know, anybody who sustains a career within the same industry and a handful of companies and for an extended period of time, uh, th there's something there. And, and I, I know that, you know, you were recruited a few different times over your career as a trader. Is that right? And how many companies? Sure. So, uh, four companies. So four different companies. And in most cases they found you, it wasn't you necessarily raising your hand, but you were on it and they were like, Hey, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. In every yeah. case. Absolutely. Yeah. In every, in every case. Yeah. And so, you know, Talk to me about your parents. I mean, you brought it up and you shared a, a, what I thought was a really great story because, you know, I, I, I want to know what was driving you because, you know, listen, you have to go to work. We need money to live. And that's just the way the world works. That unless, you know, you win the Powerball or your parents, you know, are loaded, you have to work for a living. That's just, you know, the way the world works. And so... But yet, you know, if you're familiar with the 80-20 rule, everybody will say they want great things. And yet there's a reason why the 80-20 rule exists. And so uh, what were some of the drivers that were causing you to hustle so hard? Uh, and I get a competitive industry, but uh, an industry that would see a lot of people come and go. And so what were some of the driving forces behind uh, your mindset in terms of you being able to sustain, to sustain for as long as you did? Sure. So to, to continue on my parents, because, you know, they really did a great job of teaching us a, a couple of things. Um, one, uh, obviously go out there, succeed, you know, don't, you don't want to live with your parents when you're 40 years old, <laughs> all that, you know, all, all that stuff. But, you know, what they really instilled in us besides the fact of, you know, go out there and kill the stereotype and, you know, be, 
be so much better that people don't even think about the stereotype anymore. Um, and I experienced some stuff, you know, in my lifetime having to, you know, having gone to private schools in New York and all that stuff, which, you know, is, is our stories probably for another day, but, but the, the general, um, the general story there that my parents would say to you is go in there. We love when people expect the worst because that just makes it easy. But when we love when they expect the average, cause you should still crush that. Um, and then secondly, the, the second biggest lesson I think my dad always made sure of was when the bell rings, shut it down. And that's important in any job you do, right? Cause you, you want to be able to just go home and relax and enjoy your wife, your kids, your family, your friends, whatever. But my dad made that so clear to us that when you're at work, become a machine and do what you have to do to, to complete the job. Don't get emotional because emotions get in the way of making the best decisions. Uh, and when you, when the bell rings and you have to find a bell, whether it's as a sales guy at 7 PM at night or as a postal worker, it's 3 PM in the afternoon, whatever it is, find a bell and make sure you shut it down then. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to re relax and be yourself and be reset for the next day. Um, and a short story on that is, you know, I worked for my dad most summers and most, most, uh, holiday breaks and we get home. My mom's got dinner on the table. My siblings are all sitting, sitting around the table. We were really lucky enough to have dinner together as a family every day. And I mentioned a client and, a, and an issue with the, with an order in my dad's business while we were having dinner. And my father just looks at me and he says, you're going to talk to me about that at 7.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. We ring the bell. That's it. We're done. And on Wall Street, as you know, we have we really have bells. Literally right? a bell. Two of them. We literally have bells. Um, and as a trader, you need to become a machine. If you get emotional because you think the new iPhone 10 is the greatest thing ever and you just have to have it. So I'm going to buy as much stock as possible and buy every call option possible. You're, there are probably some bad decisions made in there. Granted, Apple's a great company, so you're probably not going to lose all your money. But the point of the matter is, is don't trade with emotion. Do the math, do the analysis, do the hard work, write stuff down. You know, my dad always made it a point to say, and he's still here. So, but he's 75 and enjoying playing golf more than he's enjoying working. Good on um, him. <laughs> but, you know, he always made it a point to say, I don't care how good you think your memory is. If you don't write stuff down, you're going to be less successful than the person that does. So we all write stuff down. Um, so, you know, I, I think that kind of speaks a bit about my parents and the way that they uh, instilled certain things in me that that made me successful on wall street which is mostly take emotion out of the game do the hard work do the homework become a machine and shut it down when the bell rings because you'll drive yourself crazy and not be able to be successful if, if you don't you know it's uh your comment uh, izzy and thank you for sharing that because i think so many people listening ha have their version of uh, you know, your parents in the same situation. And as a dad myself with, with two kids, six and four, being self-employed, uh, it's very easy to work all day if I really wanted to. And I find myself 
trying to be more conscious of the fact that when I'm at home, have that balance. And there was a, there was actually something said my my four year old son, Nicholas, uh, back in December, had said something to me. It was on a Sunday. I was on my phone, and I I don't know what I was doing on my phone. I, I forget it. I was just you know puttering around on it. And he says to me, he says, Daddy, uh, can you stop working? And it's like, oh, my goodness, he he I was on my phone so often, I guess that he he and every time I would say, no, I'm working, he would equate me just going on my phone to work. And it's like, no, wait a second, you need to have balance in your life because for your own sanity, uh, but also for the uh, for the people that are around you that are important. Yeah, yeah, totally. So so talk to me about your career here. Okay, so you're you're in the trading world for 17 years uh, as a trader for 11 of them. Uh, hustling, um, you're you're standing apart. People are recruiting you. Uh, as a result, um, I don't think anybody's asking you to leave. What? Go back to your decision to leave trading and get into sales. How did that happen? And what were some of the driving forces? As I imagine, a lot of people listening are in a similar situation. Maybe thinking about making a move, wanting to do something, but there there's safety in the status quo. Uh, and I'm fascinated by your decision to leave an industry and a career that uh, you were doing very well in. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, you know, a couple of things really made it the decision easy for me, although anyone around me, I shouldn't say anyone, but plenty of people around me thought I was making the wrong decision. Um, like who? Because no names, but who? Let's, well, I'll start off with, traders or former traders peers got um, it because you know the math that's involved in in evaluating a successful trader versus the math involved in evaluating a successful salesperson and the impact on someone's ego if they were to leave the one for the other so as a trader if you're a good trader you're successful 70% of the time minimum. Mm. If you're a good salesperson, you're closing 10 for 10 to 15% of your network or the deals deal prospect deals that you walk into. And that disparity in the success percentage from a trading from the trading side of the, of the community of my friends, um, they would say, are you going to be able to deal with that? You're pretty confident. You're a good person. You're successful. You're smart. You've you've succeeded at a high level in a in a pretty tough and risky career for a long time. Are you able going to be able to manage the the fact that you're going to hear no a heck of a lot more than you hear yes? Yeah. And there are nineteen thousand reasons for people to not buy something from you, and there's really only one reason for them to buy something. Um, are you going to be able to deal with that? And, you know, it's, it's funny, the reason why I made that decision, the, the decision to leave trading for sales, um, even though to be clear, you know, I was laid off at Ronin Capital at the end of my, my uh, natural gas options trading career, but I had five trading job offers within two weeks. The, the, the reason why I didn't take those job offers and I chose to move to sales is because I had built this network over the course of a career. You know, one thing that maybe people would guess about trading, which would be accurate, is that you're done. 
at the end of the day, right? That bell rings, whether you're my dad and you have to have a bell in your head or you're just a trader and the bell rings, the bell rings, it's over. You can't make another trade right then and there to clear up your problems or fix your day. You've got to wait till tomorrow. But what do most traders do? They go home, they go work out, whatever. They have something else going on besides trading. And when they, when they go home and they, you know, they're able to just kind of decompress the, the day's over and they don't have a lot to, to think about. But from a sales perspective, you know, as, as a salesperson who has succeeded and, and failed, you know, as much as I've succeeded, if not a lot more, um, you know, your brain keeps going as far as how could I have done better? How could I have closed this deal? What am I going to do tomorrow? And, you know, so those types of that, that type of uh, work and extra work that goes into it was another reason why I've, you're going to overthink a lot of the reasons why somebody didn't buy from you today or buy your tools or all that, or all that stuff. And like I said before, the, the reason why I, I think I've been successful at this is because of my dad saying, have that bell in your head, you know, to shut it all down um, and not let it get to you too much. I think the most fun part of crossing over from trading into sales is that if you said draw a Venn diagram or draw, draw some kind of chart to show correlation between your trading career and your sales career, it'd be really easy to draw really thick, bold lines across the, across the screen saying, if I wasn't a trader, if I didn't spend all this time meeting banks and hedge funds and talking to people upstairs, um, making myself build anything or program anything or code anything. But I sure have always known what a trader looks for as far as what they want to see on the screen and how they want to, how they want to have everything sit on the page in order for them to find the most useful information as quickly as possible. And, you know, all of that, together has made me a lot better salesperson and you made for the, the stuff that I've been selling. And you made the move eight, nine years ago now coming up just about 10 years ago. Yeah. 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. 10 years, long time. Any regrets? Not at all. None. Not at all. Um, I, I will say this when I walk onto a trading floor and I, you know, I still have spent a lot of time on the New York stock exchange um, or the Philadelphia NASDAQ exchange. Um, when I walk onto a trading floor, of course, it's it's probably just as fun for me as it is for Yogi Berra or, you know, somebody walking into Yankee Stadium, you know, like, wow, I did a lot of cool stuff here. Um, but at the same time, I know I'm done, right? I know I know what I had in the business when I was when I was trading. I knew why my particular skill set worked for the time period that it worked. I wish I had started trading four, four years earlier, but, you know, I couldn't graduate college in one year. Right, um, right, right. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I have no regrets. You know, I, I really, I would be lying if I said day one of trading, I, I knew that I'd be a sales guy someday. But probably by year seven or eight of trading, I said to myself, I'm, I'm going to be working either for an exchange or for a financial technology company. Uh, 
selling folks tools that that helps them do what I used to do, you know, and, and that's really that's where I am. You know, Izzy, I, I'm, I'm really pleased you're on this podcast. Thanks again for being here. Uh, if you remember when we first initiated dialogue through LinkedIn and I talked to you about the podcast, uh, you may or may not remember this, but you had said that, yes, you, you'd welcome the invitation to be on. You were open to it, but that you weren't really that sure that your story or that you're, you really have anything to offer. People really want to hear things. And I thought that was very humbling about you. And as I listen to you speak, I think, no, this is exactly um, what people need to hear because there's people out there who are exactly like you and I. And the only difference is, is they have a different logo on the bag. But, you know, there's people listening who have uh, longstanding careers, decisions to make, have people question their decisions. And sometimes the path of least resistance is to just stay on that same branch. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate you sharing the story with us. Thanks, man. No, thank you, Paul. I yeah. really appreciate the time. Yeah, you bet. Hey, listen, uh, before I let you go, it's uh, January 30th when we're recording this. Are you a sports fan? Absolutely. Listen, we got a big game coming up on uh, on Sunday. Any predictions for the Super Bowl? You know, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you two things. One, I am from New York. I'm a Mets fan, Giants fan, Knicks fan, and somehow in hockey, I ended up being a New Jersey Devils fan. Um, but that Mets fan thing plays a little into my pick um, because Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, is the son of Pat Mahomes, a former Mets pitcher. Uh, but I told you before, I take emotion out of the game. I become a machine and I, and I, and I make my, my pick based on what makes the most sense. I still think the Chiefs are going to take it, um, but I will take the under. Uh, if I was a, a Vegas person, um, just because that both defenses are pretty tight, and I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout win. Well, listen, it should be a fun game. You know, by the time I get this edited and actually ho- post it up on the site, the game will probably be over. I probably won't get to it next week. So, <laughs> you're taking the the Chiefs and the under. All right, then. Well, let's uh, we'll have to see how the game goes, and uh, we'll see how your. Uh, predicting skills work out for you man so listen thanks again for being here i really appreciate it uh we're going to wrap this one up right now for everybody listening thanks again for taking the time uh remember one thing your intention matters because that's the result that you tend to get we're out of here and uh, we'll see you next week go leafs and go raptors